Welcome to week two of Cross the Line. We are talking about the idea that Jesus came for all people, and so we are called to go to all people. And this is the reason that beach students exist. And so I'm excited to share with you today. I'm Jacob Woodward, and if there's one thing you need to know about me, it's the fact that I love Mario Kart. And when I hear our title, Cross the Line, I think of winning at Mario Kart, I think of beating Ian, and I think of playing as my favorite character, Mario. And the thing about favorites is I will always choose my favorite no matter the other options because it's my favorite. It makes sense. And so I do this with my favorite restaurant. I love Chick-fil-A, and I love driving past all the other sorry restaurants that are not Chick-fil-A as I go and spend my hard-earned money at Chick-fil-A. And I will drive farther, I will spend more money, and I will go longer without eating just to get to Chick-fil-A. And I will do the same thing with people. I will always pick my favorite people over people that are not my favorites because that's how that works again. And so I live right across the street because I'm an intern. If you didn't know that, I'm your intern, the student intern. And I live with seven other adults who are seeking ministry, who are taking steps in that direction, and they have quickly become some of my favorite people. And I will always prioritize my time for them because they're my favorite people. And that doesn't mean that I don't love my other friends. I love my other friends. I love hanging out with my other friends. But for some reason, I will always gravitate to my favorites instead of the people that aren't. And, and this, this favorites thing drives me crazy because I feel like I hurt people sometimes. Like, I have friends who are like, Jacob, we never hang out. And I'm like, yeah, I have no time. And that's because my time is spent with the interns. And it's spent playing as baby Mario or at Chick-fil-A. And I'm indulging in my favorites. And the problem is when we choose favorites, we are creating lines. And so in James chapter 2, um, we have James... James's take on this. And if you would uh, look at the screens here, James chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, my dear brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Weird. He goes on to give an example. He says, suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the rich man, and you say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, go stand over there, or have a seat at my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now, we obviously don't do this, right? No one walks in in really nice king clothes, and and we highlight them over other people, because that would be ridiculous. But the problem is, we do this all the time. And we just don't even realize it. And so we're going to put this in the context of United. So we are meeting for United, just like we did. We're at the hangout. It's going great. And someone walks in, and they go to the school that most everyone in this room goes to, which is Fletcher. And they are dressed in the typical Fletcher attire. They have a cool name brand sports shoe on. They have some sort of jogger and or baggies on. They have some beach name brand t-shirt and maybe jacket to go with it. And they have name brand sunglasses. They are here to play nine square. They're ready to go. We will always gravitate to, toward those people because they're like us. But then suppose someone else comes in and they're dressed uh, a little differently than we are. They... Um, are weird is how we would probably describe it. They don't like the things that we like. They maybe don't necessarily like Nine Square. They definitely don't go to Fletcher. And so that already makes them weird probably to us. And so 
we don't even have to say anything to them for them to feel excluded. Just by showing special attention to the student who comes in who looks like us, we are telling that other student, you don't belong here. And by extension, God doesn't want you here. Because that's what we're here for. We're here for God. And so we're communicating that message, message to students. And this goes against what United is all about. Zach was just talking about this when he came up and talked about why United exists. We exist to point students to Jesus. And what James is saying is that when we pick favorites based on anything, we're drawing lines. And drawing lines is the opposite of pointing people to Jesus. And so if this is our problem, we need a solution. And the problem becomes that we have drawn lines and we've picked favorites. And so if we don't recognize those lines, we can't change. We can't cross the lines. If we pretend like this isn't our problem, it will never be fixed. And so the first thing I want you to do is to ask yourself, who have you decided isn't like you? Who have you decided isn't like you? Because I guarantee you, if you have already decided that someone isn't like you, that there's a line drawn between you. Because we draw lines based on differences and not similarities. And so this is a huge starting point into discovering the lines that you've drawn in your own life. And so once we understand that we've drawn lines, once we have seen the lines that we've drawn, whether it's that the world is already put in place or whether it's the ones that we've drawn, we have to understand that it's not just physical differences. It's not just race. It's not just gender. It's not just age. It's not just where we worship or who we worship or uh, the money that we have or don't have or all these things that we can physically see. It can also be personalities or life choices. And so when I was in high school, I would not associate with people who partied, drank, uh, smoked, and whatever, because I was a good little Christian kid who pretended like I had nothing wrong with me and that I'd never sinned before in my life. So I was not going to hang out with sinners, because that's for sure. And I drew lines. And then it was funny, because on the flip side, the people who drank and smoked and did drugs didn't want to hang out with me because I was a loser. And uh, like they didn't want to hang out with someone who wasn't like them. And so we both drew lines across each other. But there's, a, there's something important in that there is a difference between acceptance and approval. We don't have to approve of what people are doing in order to accept them. And so if you don't approve of the Muslim faith and you're basing your love on approval, then you're never going to reach people who are Muslim. And if you base your love on approval and you won't associate with people who drink or with people who do drink, or don't drink, I don't know what I just said, to be honest, um, then you will never reach those people. And so we have to understand that Jesus came based on acceptance for us and not approval. Jesus didn't approve of the sin that we were doing when he came and died on the cross for us. He accepted us right where we were. And so regardless of if we've drawn lines or if the world has drawn lines for us, we have to understand that we can't change the hearts and actions of the world but we can change ours. We can't change what the world's doing. We can't change what other people are doing, but we can change how we love. And so if we're going to do that, if we are going to cross lines, if we're going to change the way that we love, if we're going to stop picking favorites and drawing lines, we need to know how to change. And the answer for how to change comes 
in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is the Great Commission. Ryan talked about it last week in his sermon. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, giving them the directions for how to share the love that he showed the world with other people. And he says this in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So how do we change? How do we change our hearts? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus doesn't tell them, go witness and then you'll get the Holy Spirit. He tells them, first you'll receive the Holy Spirit and then you can show people the love that I showed you. Then you can be my witness. And so we just got back from Epworth. We talked all about the Holy Spirit and the power that he has in our lives. And so this is super cool. We know how to change. We know what we need to to cross. We've started to identify some lines. But we sometimes don't know where to start. And the cool thing is Jesus gives us and the disciples a starting place in this verse. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is where the disciples were from. And so this was their hometown. This was the people that they did life with every single day. And these were the people who were probably the most like them because that's where they're from. And so the call is the same for us. We should start crossing lines through the power of the Holy Spirit with the people that we do life with every day. So that's our families. We have lines drawn in our families. That's our schools, the people in our classes and in the hallways, our coworkers. It's people on our sports teams. It's the people that we do life with every day, whatever it is that you do. Because if we can't start in Jerusalem, if we can't start in our hometown, we can't go to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth because it only gets dif- more different as we go out. The, the rest of the world, India, if I can't cross lines with people who are kind of like me here in Jacksonville, I cannot cross lines with people in India. That's not how that works. And so we start at home and then we go out. And so we have a starting place. We have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to work on our hearts and, and we know where our hearts need to be worked on, but it's still not easy. And it's not easy for me, and so I guarantee you it's not easy for you. And I know it's not easy because even one of the closest disciples to Jesus struggled with this. Peter could not grasp the concept that Jesus came for all people. And it's because he was raised Jewish. And so Jewish people believe that they were set apart by God to make way for Jesus. And so they were called to be different. They were essentially picked as God's favorites. And once Jesus came, that was no longer the case. Jesus came and erased all the lines, and so everyone was God's people. But because Peter was raised this way, he believed that certain people were unclean and that they couldn't receive God's message. And this is the story we're going to look at. So if you'll turn to Acts chapter 10 in your Bibles, you can follow along with me, or it'll be up here on the screens. And we're going to look at Peter's journey in line crossing. So at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. We're going to pause right there for a second. Cornelius is already so many things different than Peter in this one verse. He's Roman. They're different cultures. He is Roman again, which is most likely a different religion and a different economic status. And he's considered unclean to Peter and to 
Cornelius, Peter probably is really annoying because the Romans did not like Jewish people. So there are already lines drawn between them in the first verse of this story. In verse 2, he and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as memorial offerings before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened to him and sent them to Joppa. And so now we're going to pick up with Peter in verse 9, about noon the following day, as, <clears throat> as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something, something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down <clears throat> to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. We're going to pause there for a second. This was another line that Peter had. He was not allowed to eat certain things because they were considered unclean and set apart from the Jewish people so that they could be more like God. And so when a voice says, get up, Peter, kill and eat, Peter very sassily replies, surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. So Peter gets up, goes downstairs to the men, and asks, I am the one you are looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all Jewish people. A holy angel came and asked you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into his house as his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. So this is important. More believers, more Jewish believers are following Peter to go to this Roman centurion's house. The following day, he arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. More people have been gathered together. This time, they are not believers. So now we have a group of believers and a group of non-believers, Jews and Gentiles, coming together. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found the large group of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. Um, I'm going to pause there and acknowledge how stressful this verse is because I don't think we get it when we read it because we think, oh yeah, Jewish, not Jewish, cool. Uh, the equivalent of this verse is me walking in to an African-American household and saying, hey guys, uh, listen, 
You know I don't belong here. I'm white. You're black. We don't hang out. But you know what? It's all good because God told me you guys are clean. You're good now. I can hang out with you because God told me I could. It's a little uncomfortable, but we're going to get through it together. All right? Cool. That is so uncomfortable. Do you get, like, do you understand how uncomfortable that is? Oh, it makes me sweat. I hate it. Okay. So Peter somehow doesn't offend this man and says, may I ask why you sent me? And so Cornelius tells him the whole thing that happened. And in verse 34, Peter says this, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Some of you need to hear that tonight. Just because people who love Jesus told you didn't belong, or maybe a church told you you didn't belong by the way that you were cast out or shunned or treated differently, but God does not show favoritism. God does not show favoritism. And so... What Peter is going to do next is he is going to spend some time telling the Romans and the group that came with them all about what he saw when he was with Jesus. And this is the gospel. He talks about how God created us. And then we decided, hey, God, um, you're good and all, but like we're better, so we're going to sin and draw a line here so that we can't be together. And then we ran the other way. We ran as far away from God as possible. And God loved us so much that he could not stand this line between us. And so he sent his son to cross not only from immortality to mortality, and not only from perfection to imperfection, but from God to man. And he lives amongst us. He lives with the people. He does life with them. And then if that wasn't enough, if God just hanging out with us isn't cool enough, he goes and he dies for us. He dies for our sins so that the line would be erased and we could come back to God and there was no more favoritism because God doesn't show favoritism and he would take that burden for us and then he would cross from death to life, another huge line that I don't think anyone in this room has crossed, and he goes back to heaven and then if that weren't enough, he sends the Holy Spirit and crosses another line where God before couldn't hang out with us and couldn't be with us because we were sinners But now, because of Jesus making us right, he chooses to live with us through the Holy Spirit. And so, Peter is telling all these people this, and he's going to just tell them the gospel. And we pick up in verse 44, where Peter is still speaking, and the Holy Spirit came upon all who heard the message. And the circumcised believers, the, the Jewish people who were clean and the favorites, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gifts of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. They could not believe that people that they thought weren't chosen by God all of a sudden are being chosen by God, and they are freaking out. They, they don't understand it. And so Peter says, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and then they asked Peter, to stay with them for a few days. They asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Three days ago, this man, Peter, would not have looked a Roman in the eye, let alone told them about Jesus, let alone would have expected the Holy Spirit 
to move in their lives, and now he's having a sleepover with them. This is insane. The Holy Spirit is doing this, and the Holy Spirit is waiting for Peter to cross the line before changing the history of the church forever. And we're going to talk all about next week how this moment changes the church forever. But what I think we need to focus on is some things that Peter does in order to hear from the Holy Spirit. Because we can talk all day long about needing the power of the Holy Spirit, but if we aren't in a position to hear from him, we can't do what he's calling us to do. And so the first thing that Peter does is he's spending time in a quiet time. He's spending time in a quiet time. He is up on the roof. He is praying. He is seeking God. He's asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what can I do in the next 15 minutes? What would you have me do in the next 15 minutes? And that thing just happened to be walk downstairs and follow these random men back wherever they tell you to go. And that leads us to part two. Part two is move with the Spirit's promptings. Now, you can't hear from the Holy Spirit if you don't know the Holy Spirit's voice in your life. So, You have to spend time seeking after him before you can hear from him. And then when you do hear from him, you have a choice. You can stay where you are, and you can be comfortable, or you can move, and you can cross the line. Because the Holy Spirit will always call us to cross lines. And the third thing is this. In that really uncomfortable part that makes me sweat, where Peter really insults these Roman people, I think he's doing something that he doesn't realize. He's owning up to his own heart. He is telling these people, I have drawn lines. I have let the world draw lines between us. And that is not okay anymore. And so if we are going to be in a position to be healed by the Holy Spirit and to cross lines, we need to own up to our own hearts. If we pretend like this isn't a problem, if we pretend like this doesn't matter in our lives, then One, we're only fooling ourselves, and two, we're never going to cross lines, because why would we think we need to? Ultimately, the power of the Holy Spirit is to glorify God, and so when we cross lines, we glorify God. When we cross lines, we glorify God, and that's where I want to end this message so bad. It's where I want to end, because it's super easy for me to just sit here and say, I get to glorify God when I cross lines that's really cool, and then not do anything about it. And Ryan told me that I have to make this sermon practical, and that stressed me out. So I talked to people that I trust, I prayed about it, and I came up with some practical ways of how we reach people in our daily lives. These steps are going to help us, and what I've thought of, it's not the only way, but these steps are going to help us break down lines that we've already drawn or that have been drawn for us, so that we have little stepping stones to start crossing the line. And the first one for how we start crossing lines is find common ground. Find common ground can be as easy as, hey, we have the same shoe brand on, or we listen to the same music, or we are obsessed with the same show on Netflix. It is super easy to find common ground, and what common ground does is it starts to dissolve that line. It starts to say, hey, uh, we're not as different as I thought we were. You're, you're a person just like me, and we have something in common. And it allows us to start taking little baby steps over the line. But then the next thing, after we find common ground, we need to be interested, not interesting. We need to be interested in the people on the other side of the lines. 
and not just interesting and presenting ourselves as someone who's super cool. And so if we skip this step, if we aren't interested in the people on the other side of the line, it's going to look like this. And this feels ridiculous. And I know it looks ridiculous. I'm straddling a line right now. And I am pretending like I care about what's happening with this other person on the other side of the line. And then as soon as this conversation's over, I'm going to slide back over. And I'm going to be comfortable on my side again. Because I'm not interested in what's happening over there. And then in conjunction with that step, the last thing, we need to be real, not just a highlight reel. And what I mean like that, what I mean by that is we live in an age of Instagram where we have to present ourselves in the very best way possible. We have to say, this is who I am and all this brokenness that I actually deal with, it doesn't really matter because I am this person. And so if we are straddling the line and we're about to cross and someone tells us, about the pain that they're going through because the most real thing that I can tell you is that you're broken and that I'm broken and that the people on the other side of the lines that we've drawn are broken and we all need Jesus. And so if we pretend like we don't, these people are gonna know that we don't actually care. They're gonna know we're being fake. You know when someone's being fake to you. We complain about it and gossip about it all the time. And so we're gonna continue the straddle of the line. We're gonna be so close to crossing and then we're gonna just draw another mini line right here like this is as far as I'll go over the line I can't go all the way over there I can't be real with this person and I've seen this work in my own life I work at Topgolf and I work with this guy named Rob and we don't we didn't really like each other at first we both wanted the same position and I ended up getting the position over him even though he's been there longer and I felt like I needed to talk to him about it and like I needed to like heal a little bit because I didn't want it to affect our work relationship and so I just started with something we had in common. And I, I started talking to him about it. And then all of a sudden, um, I found myself asking more questions about his life. And I, and I really wanted to know. I wanted to know, like, where he was from, like, what his life was like. And he started telling me this really real stuff, that he went through the foster care system, that he didn't feel loved by his real parents who abandoned him, and he didn't feel loved still by the parents who adopted him because they spent all their time caring for his younger sister. And then to top it all off, he tells me, hey, I just took a DNA test, and I thought that I was Mexican. But my DNA test told me I'm Native American. And so all this time, I've been putting my identity in the fact that I am Mexican. And now I'm Native American? I don't know what to do with that. I don't know who I am anymore, and I am freaking out. We were just talking about a TV show at first, and now all of a sudden, I know this guy's baggage. And I could have stopped right there, and I could have said dang, I'm so sorry. I hope it works out and walked away. But instead I found myself telling him that I struggle with my value and I struggle with these specific things because I struggle with my value and I started telling him all this stuff about my life and now every time I work with him in some shape or another, we talk about Jesus. And I know he's not a believer and I know that this conversation happened so that I could start crossing a line with him so that I could point him to Jesus. And so, here's the thing. There's lines in this room right now. There's lines that are already drawn in this room whether you like it or not, and that line is this. There are some of you in this room who are Christian, and there's some of you who are not. And you might have come to church before, you might have gone to church your whole life, but you've never surrendered to this whole Jesus thing. Maybe it's your first time at church, and you 
are not really liking it. You were dragged here by your boyfriend or girlfriend or your parents, and you're like, I'm just going to sit it out. It'll be fine. No one's going to make me enjoy this, I swear. And then you're feeling now this tug, this, this call that the God who would cross the line for you first, you've never heard that before. The God who would erase the lines and tell you that you belonged even in the broken state that you are now, that's not a God that you've heard about before. And that's the God that you want to be a part of. You want to be accepted the way that you are. You want to be loved based on acceptance, not approval. And if that's you, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit is working in you and he wants to help you cross lines. But he can't help you until you've received Jesus. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna close our eyes and bow our heads. And if that's you in this room tonight, if you are feeling the weight of the fact that God crossed the line for you first, that even while you were still a sinner, he would send his son to die for you, and that then after his son died and rose again, he wanted to live with you through the Holy Spirit, just as you are, broken, hurting, then I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. I want you to raise your hand if this is a decision you want to make to follow Jesus, to believe in the God who crossed the line for you. One, God loves you. Two, Jesus crossed the line for you. Three, raise your hand if that's you. Awesome. Pray this prayer with me. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's the belief in your heart. Dear God, thank you for crossing the line for me. Thank you that even though I'm broken and even though I'm hurting and even though I've been running from you, you crossed the line for me, the line that I could never cross. Help me to follow after you. Help me to seek after you. Help me to cross lines with you. It's your name we pray. Now, for those of us who do call ourselves Christian, here's what's at stake if we don't start changing, if we don't heal our hearts and we don't start crossing lines. I serve at Portside almost every Saturday with Emily Friedland, and we do worship for them, and then they do a story, and we hang out, and it's some of the most joy that I have in my week. And there's one girl in particular who I wish was my daughter, and she is gorgeous, she is awesome, she is so fun, and there are a lot of lines between us. She's a girl, she's younger, she comes from a different economic standpoint and a different culture, and she is also Hispanic. And so I didn't, I gotta be honest, I didn't notice any of these lines. Like, it was not a thing. We just started hanging out, and I love her. And on one of, like, the third times that we had been there, it was about to be when all of our students come and serve at Rising Tide. I was like, Nicole, are you so excited that I have so many friends coming to play with you in this next week? And she got really serious, and she looked at me in the eyes, and she got really quiet. And she said, are they going to be mean to me? And I said, I don't know why she's asking this question. Uh, Was I mean to her? Was someone else mean to her? Was a volunteer mean to her at some time? Like, I don't get it. So I asked her, no, why would someone be mean to you? And she said, because the kids in my class told me I'm ugly because of the color of my skin. She recognized that I was white and that she was Hispanic and that my friends were probably white and not Hispanic. And her experience had been that seven-year-old white kids in her class told her that she was ugly because of the color of her skin, that they had drawn lines 
and I've never wanted to punch a class of kids in the face more than in that moment because it hurts that seven-year-olds are drawing lines. And if we don't start changing, if we don't start receiving this healing and we don't start crossing lines, then the generation after us is going to keep drawing lines and the generation after that is going to keep drawing lines and the generation after that is going to keep drawing lines and it will never stop. It won't stop until someone starts the change. It has to be us. We can't change the way the world's doing it. It has to be us. And so we need to be in a position to feel and hear from the Holy Spirit, to feel his promptings, for him to move. And so it's easy to sit here and it's easy to say, yeah, I can do that. I can go cross lines. I can, I can commit to this. This is easy, but it's not easy. And it gets harder the more we feel like we're doing it alone. And so it's okay if you don't. You do not need to feel obligated to stand up in this next part. But if you feel like you are being called by the Holy Spirit to end the cycle, to start crossing lines, to receive healing from the power of the Holy Spirit, I want you to stand up right now. Just stand up and we are gonna pray as a student ministry. Stand up if you feel called. If you feel called, stand up. It's not for everyone, but if you feel called, stand up. If you feel like you need to start crossing lines in your own life, if you need to start with the people who are close with you, then stand up. Awesome. Thank you, guys. We're going to pray together as a student ministry for these students who have committed to seeking after the Holy Spirit. Dear God, I thank you for these students. I thank you for a student ministry that believes in pointing students to Jesus. I pray that these students who have stood up and and those maybe that were too nervous to stand up, that you would give them the power to heal their hearts. You would start working on them. You would show them the lines that they've drawn. You would show them where they have told others that you don't love them by the way that they live. And I pray that you would begin to change that. It's only by you that we change. It's your name we pray. Amen.